We're live. We're live, man. Hey, welcome to the Scottish Liberty Podcast, a first one of 2019. Happy New Year to you. And we are on episode... 117. My main man. Considerable. For those of you watching on YouTube, you'll notice we have a new Logitech webcam, high definition. We're looking good for the new year. Actually, I, I think I looked better than the old one. This is kind of... I look older. <laughs> Well, you are a year older. Exactly. So we have a panoply of topics for you today. A what? <laughs> a myriad, an endless number. Okay. A huge number. A huge. A plethora. A plethora. <laughs> Any. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we're just going to do this. We're actually just going to. Just keep coming up with different words for <laughs> for an hour for a large number. Yeah. Um, okay. What have they got for the people first, Anthony Samarov? Well, the libertarians of have taken to cleaning up the the parks, the national parks, in the wake of the government shutdown. Yeah, the government has been shut down in America. Oh, what a pity! <laughs> yeah. I mean, government shutdown. That must be two of the most beautiful words in the world. I mean, they better get their act the together English before language. people start to notice that they don't actually need it. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. happened in the. This happened. This, this, this is not unique to America. This happened actually in the UK. Uh, at one time, there was a hung parliament uh, when they couldn't decide because uh, there wasn't a clear majority for the Conservatives. So for about uh, a month and a half, you know, we effectively had no government. And guess what? The guy who drove the bus, he still drove the bus. The guy who ran the shop on the corner, he still ran his shop on the corner. You know, everybody just got on with their life regardless. And they've they managed to, to get on top of it. But Belgium, on the other hand, they had no government for close to a year at yeah. one point. And uh, surprisingly, you know, the trains ran, the buses ran, you know, the toilets got cleaned. Apparently even roads got built. And so, it's funny because um, this is about Trump building the wall, isn't it? Uh, partly. Yeah, the, the, the basically Democrats have, well, not only Democrats in fairness, some Republicans as well have, have spat out the dummy and said uh, they're not going to pay for the wall. Fair okay, enough. Fair I enough. don't know why Trump just doesn't crowdfund it. I thought it was, uh, didn't someone start that out? I thought that they said that he said Mexico was going to pay for the wall. Well, initially, <laughs> yeah. And then, well, unfortunately, <laughs> The Mexicans weren't in on that. They weren't down yeah. on that deal. <laughs> Usually, um, nah. <laughs> politicians get um, lambasted for not. not for not fulfilling their campaign promises. But he's trying to fulfill a campaign promise. Uh, but um, what? Yeah, it's like as I said, government shutdown must be two of the most beautiful words in the English language when paired together. But this is interesting because this is the kind of thing that I think libertarians should be doing to show volunteerism yeah. in action. So we think, uh, well, I think we all have mutual responsibility to take care of our public spaces and government doesn't necessarily need to pay for that, said Ethan Bishop Henchman. And it's definitely... Henchman? Is that his name or is he actually his job? <laughs> and he's Bishop Henchman. <laughs> A henchman, a bishop. And it's right? definitely not paying for it right now. Okay. So it's interesting because I have actually heard of other situations where people went on stri strike and governments went on strike and um, or or the police went on strike and the crime rate went down and stuff like that. Unfortunately, I don't have ta 
um, stats. Libertarians are obviously about reducing the size of government. And the, um, this explains Jess Merrins, and this is something that uh, Alexander Torquil, he when he went and visited America, he said one of the great things about America was that when they saw when people saw a need, they saw it as their job to get together and form some organization or something like that to fulfill that need. Whereas back in France, everyone assumed it was the government's fault, and he thought that was one of the reasons why. Sorry, the government's job, and he thought that was one of the reasons why America was a great country. So the federal government's meant to maintain the parks. So I just think that one of the things I think is that the government depends on people basically being a bit crap and incompetent and poorly organized because everyone says, um, there's a video here, libertarians clean up national parks during government shutdown if you want to check it out. Yeah, that's what everyone says. Sorry to go on a tangent. Um, like. I think one of the things, one thing that would be great for libertarians to do, I know I shouldn't put the responsibility on you guys, and so maybe I should do it, is to create organizations that teach people basic, like handy skills, like putting up shelves and doing your plumbing or uh, woodwork and crafty skills. Because I think the fact that most people can't do this kind of stuff anymore has created um, some of the kind of dependency. And it also means that you know, you're a useful person to be around for others if they have some kind of problem. So that's just our lead story. Do you want to move on to something else or do you want to say anything more about that? No, I just I think it's uh, my uh, my applause goes out to them. Like my, my hat's off to them. You guys, as you can see, permanently off a permanent tribute to them. So, uh, uh, yeah, this is very much the kind of thing that libertarians uh, should be doing. Do Stevie McNamara of the Scottish... Um, libertarian Party was trying to do something similar to this. We are, we are trying to get something called Libertarians, libertarians in the Community. All right, Libertarians yeah. in Or Libertarians in Action, Libertarians. We haven't quite decided yet. Yes, but yeah, we um, are. And start doing practical do, things. Yeah, um, partly as a ruse to get people to join the party. Just kidding. <laughs> kidding, not kidding. Yeah, exactly. So well um, done, you. Well uh, libertarian done, you. Is it DC? It's, yeah, Washington, yeah, DC. Washington, DC. So well done. Uh, I also think, often think in my area, like it's filled with trash and stuff like that because mm. people don't really look after it, and it's partly because my areas. Sorry, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I've already said that um, black slaves had a better standard of living than serfs in Russia, so you can't get more controversial than that. Um, like it's full of council houses, so no one really feels like they own anything, so they don't really take proper care of it. I often thought a great thing would to do would be to take out kid, school kids and say, let's clean up our area, uh, we'll make it fun. And that would maybe instill a sense of the actual value of not littering. Okay. Sure. Okay. So from uh, talking of uh, trash and getting rid of trash, uh, the Scottish Notional Party, as I like to call them, the SNP in Scotland, the governing party of Scotland. You have to tell people why they're notional. They're notional because, well, yeah, okay, if you're new, you, you've heard me say this before, if you're, if you're a regular listener to the, to the show, but they're notional because they're called the Scottish National Party, but there's nothing remotely nationalist about them. Now, you could say that's a, a good thing, um, but why call yourself that, if you know what I mean? They don't, contrary to their propaganda, they don't believe in independence. Uh, they believe in a power transfer from Westminster to Brussels. 
So they, they, you know, they're, they're really not into the whole independence thing. So, in fact, so, so in fact if you believe basically, the pro-EU, if you're in the, the SNP and you actually believe in independence, they mock you and call you a little Scotlander. Um, so they're they're, so, they're fraudulent basically, and uh, they are the party in power here. Uh, in what, what I want to add is that for our American listeners, this is going to concern some principles that are international. It's not yeah. just Scottish news. So. So there's, there, you mean, the S&P have been up to all sorts of general fuckwittery and... Um, Being the technical term yeah, used the technical in, term. in political, so political science. science yeah. <laughs> um, they, you know, they, it's endless. You know, they, 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 they introduced political police and they centralised uh, power, they centralised the police force under one police chief uh, that they could control, they appointed and controlled. Um, they are responsible for trying to introduce legislation that is extremely illiberal. Uh, anybody that's listened to our previous shows will be, be aware of that. But their latest um, outrages are uh, twofold. Okay, one, they want to give new powers to councils to sell derelict properties. Now, you, you, you might think, well, that sounds like not a bad idea. However, what they intend to do is if, you, if you're an owner of one of these properties, they intend to force you compulsory purchase. I think in America you call it eminent domain, um, or, or, or they, they do the compulsory purchase through eminent domain laws. If Here they're now, an eyesore, yeah. well, that's where it starts. Well, this is where it starts because this is where it works. As soon as you give, as soon as you give uh, local government or any government powers, yeah, let's have a quick read of it. Okay, radical new powers allowing councils to order the sale of eyesore derelict sites and vacant land across Scotland are to be introduced, the Scottish Government has confirmed. Empty houses, abandoned shops, derelict hotels and gap sites could be among those targeted by the introduction of compulsory sale orders after planning Minister Kevin Stewart said they would be introduced in the course of this parliament. Am I rivaling uh, Dominic Frisbee with the smoothness in my voice? Not quite. <laughs> I don't think um, um, advertising can. agencies are going to come knocking uh, soon, but you never know. Um, so, yeah, compulsory purchase orders. Now, this is kind of personal to me as well. My parents, their flat, uh, my parents bought property in a time here in Scotland when it was just, it was not a done thing for, for working class couples to, to buy property. Everybody rented and they rented off the council. I've even heard that sometimes in that era, if you bought a house, your older relatives would say something like, what are you doing buying a house? Yeah, yeah, well, like you're that. both, either like, it was like you're just, you're crazy, you know, you just don't do that, you're getting into debt, you know, you're just crazy, or, yeah, or, you know, but you who do you think you are? Yeah, exactly. You know, council house not good enough for you. But my parents bought, and their flat that we stayed in uh, was compulsory purchased by local government. Um, and they, they, they gave, as far as I know, they gave us nowhere near the, the market price. Um, and the, the point is, it's it's just we, we don't care. You know, we have plans for your property, and we're going to purchase it from you and uh, you there's the price take it or leave it and you don't really have a choice in the matter you know um, and that's just wrong it goes against every uh, principle of decency that I can think of and I think that once you and allow you the principles but in decency yeah, as well. exactly and, and this, this is sort of, it starts with derelict property now by the way as far as I'm aware one of the biggest uh, offenders 
for land banking and for properties lying derelict are the councils themselves. So, you know, are they going to start by you know, selling off their own property uh, instead of keeping it until the price goes up and up and up? So I don't think so. And once you give government powers to do this, and it starts, you know, people might say, okay, it's derelict site, it's an eyesore, it's a derelict building, let's get rid of it. Um, it starts with that, and then suddenly government can then appropriate property at will. Jeremy Corbyn here, the Labour Party leader uh, and the opposition leader in the UK, has openly said that he, if you know, if you've got two houses, you know, he's going to. He's going to take one off you. He didn't even say he's going to compulsory purchase the, it. He just said he's going to take it off you and redistribute it. In the wake uh, of the Grenfell Tower collapse, there was people saying that you know rich people's empty properties should be used to put up um, people who were damaged in that tragedy. And as sad as that is, that's just not the way to go because that the principle underlying the principle underlying it is your property isn't your property. Um, yeah. It's the it's the community's property, and the community is allowing you to have that property. And the problem with that is that um, you know while property rights are upheld by a community of sorts, whether it's the society or the government, etc. Um, even from a utilitarian perspective, which is not the one I share, it creates a instability where you'll you end up with this sort of situation in Africa where many places in Africa where people would refuse to start a business or to try anything because you never know when it's going to be taken off you because there's no security and property rights. Yeah. So let's uh, make the case, uh, or at least present the case. Shona Glenn, head of policy research at the Scottish Local Commission said, the logic behind the proposal is to address quite a specific problem. Very often what you get with these vacant sites or empty buildings is that they're in parts of the country where there isn't an awful lot of turnover of properties. So there isn't a lot of transactions going on. Very often they're quite deprived communities. This creates a problem because it makes it very difficult to assess the value of what of that property might be. And well, I mean, it's not valuable unless someone's trying to buy it. And what that means is that it's quite easy for owners of these sites to have quite unrealistic expectations of what that value might be. That's basically a way of saying we should be able to underpay them. Right. Uh, there are more than 3,000 sites of land lying derelict and more than 30,000 empty homes. Um, right. What I want to say is it's almost like, see if I thought that the government could be trusted to Well, they're going to stop you right this. away. Then. Right. <laughs> the government can be trusted. Yeah, you know, the, exactly. The government and trust. The, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, those two words have no it's place. Like, but sense. what would be the market mechanisms for doing this? Okay, supposing you lived in either, yeah, in Anarchytopia, in Libertopia, or Anarcho-Capistan, right? What could happen is if these sites were affecting the property of other, uh, affecting the value of other local properties, they could go to their dispute resolu resolution organization or whatever the relevant body is and saying, look, this part of their um, property is making the area look out unsightly and it's having a negative effect on our property values. They can, you know, group together and make a class action yeah. lawsuit. And then that person can be slapped with a fine or they can say to them, look, we'll, 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 um, 
broker for you and see if we can sell this on to the we'll, we'll do the marketing and stuff like that for you to see if we can pass this on to the highest bidder we'll get you we'll see if we can get you a good deal and you can agree to pass it on if not then you're going to have to pull your socks up because you're basically causing uh, harm or loss you're causing an externality to everyone else in the area that's one way it could be dealt yeah. with i mean we've discussed on the show before, I think, and it's something that uh, the Libertarian Party here in Scotland have discussed, is a land value tax system. Mm. Now, we don't like any taxation as Libertarians, but there is a case to be made that between income tax and land value tax, then maybe the land value tax would be the least bad option, and it would certainly do go some way yeah. to solving land banking. It is. And the thing is, it's the least worst tax because, yes... Although most liberties go, oh, it's a tax on property, you just can't have that. You know? Yeah, well, the thing is, if you're going to have a tax, which uh, I, th I think the land value tax is the least worst yeah. because um, we... the Basically, you didn't... Uh, we don't want taxes on people's labor yeah. or their because it deters labor yeah. taxes on on um yeah. commodities uh, also that discourages people from economic activity yeah. whereas the land isn't actually the consequence of anyone's labor it was there already yeah. and in a situation where land is scarce then what you're basically saying is okay um, you didn't create that land, although you might have homesteaded it or you purchased it off someone who did. But also, frankly, throughout history, the land was grabbed by conquest. There's no original um, homesteader. So you can you can make a contribution back to the community for upholding your property right to that land, basically. Um, Let me just make sure that the people can hear us. I'm pretty sure they can hear us, but uh, I don't. there's no harm... And, yeah. and making sure. Wait, what happened there? I don't know. Um, let's see. Do we have any comments? We've got a couple of viewers, but no comments. <laughs> Tom, you're saying that you bastards. I give you one of the comments. I don't know. Well, no one's told us to turn our sound up, so I'm assuming that they can hear us. Can they? Have they got us on YouTube? They have got us on YouTube. Okay. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll bow to your superior knowledge, sir. So I don't even know who our one viewer is. It could, we it might could, put, it could just put a bet on that yeah. it's... Adam, Adam Smasher. <laughs> it, could, it could be Adam Smasher. It could be. If it is, happy It, it might just be us. <laughs> it could just be us, yeah. Okay. In which case, anyway, let's get on with it. The SN, now this is a juicy story, especially because we always hear that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, although more and more of that is being smashed because there's no basis for believing that. Well, the rich are getting richer, but the poor are getting poorer, poor are getting, getting richer, richer as well. The SNP warned wealthy could leave Scotland as top wages decline in real terms. Oh, boo-hoo, the wealthy are leaving Scotland. Who cares? That's a standard line. Yeah. <laughs> High earners in Scotland have suffered a real terms fall in wages in recent years, while lower paid workers have seen their pay go up, new research has shown. Those in occupations, including directors, IT professionals, engineers and managers, have all seen their pay go down in the past year as the Scottish Government presses ahead with plans to increase tax burden 
on such workers. Yeah, because there's not enough millionaires and billionaires to tax. Mm. So it always comes out the middle class. Uh, it has prompted fresh concerns. Wealthier Scots may be prompted to leave the country. Bad writing prompted twice in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah. Where was your editor? The top earning 10% of Scottish workers. He said there has left the country. <laughs> <laughs> to get more money somewhere else. <laughs> That's pretty He's good. got to work for the, the Times in London. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, so, the right, the bottom 25% of earners, those making 17,000 or less, have seen their wages go up by 5%. Oh, good. Uh, those on median salaries, about 23,833, have seen a smaller increase of 1.9%. I don't know if these take into account inflation or not. Do you know what? Whenever I'm listening to a podcast and someone reads out statistics, I just zone out. Yeah, yeah. Is anyone else like that? Tell me. Like, I don't mind it when I'm reading, but yeah. I totally zone I out. I can show you a graph or something that kind of yeah, helps. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, who was it? Could you just back up a little bit? Yeah, Scottish Conservative Finance Spokesman, Murdo Fraser. Murdo's a, got a bit of a libertarian bent to him. I would, I would say he's a bit of a conservative, or a libertarian, con, as we call them. Yeah, conservative. I don't know. He's, he's like everything else. You know, they, they say they're libertarian, but they're not really. But he, he, out of the conservatives in Scotland, he's, he's one of the more libertarian ones. Um, so what was he saying? While many people will not have much empathy for the decrease in higher incomes, further tax increase could push this income bracket to leave and deny Scotland any tax take. However, the S&P tax hikes will also charge middle earners more compared to the rest of the UK, which, after such small wage growth, seems punitive. Yeah, I mean, the rich will all, you know, the super rich and the rich will always find ways of avoiding the tax. You know, they've, they've got lawyers, they've got, uh, you know, they've got offshore accounts, and it's always, it's always going to come back to the, the, the middle classes that are going to get squeezed. Uh, and any country to, in order to be pros prosperous and have some semblance of equality uh, of of, uh, of distribution of wealth, they have you have to have a, a, a prosperous middle class and a, yeah. and a growing middle class for that to happen. It's this idea that the government knows what the money in the economy should be spent on. It's like, oh, if we can just get more public services, like, it's such a damaging idea. And this idea that I but think... But you know, the, the S&P are committed to public services and know, spending and more. They're, and, big, they're, yeah. they're statist. They're not even left or right wing. They're, they're, they're a statist party, as in they want the, the state to be big in every measure, left or right. And I think the thing is, one of the... I think the main thing is that this idea that George Reisman is who we've had on our show is Reisman. quite well. He says Reisman. I say Reisman. You say tomato. I say potato. What? <laughs> right. I mean, like, see when I read the lyrics of that song, it was like, you say tomato and I say, say tomato. tomato. Yeah. You say potato I and say I potato. say potato. But I mean, just when you look at it right and written down, you'd be like, what's wrong with this relationship? Looks like they, they really understand each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I would like to have been to that marriage council meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like um, I just think that. I mean, at the end of the game, must have been what well, that's it. 
The really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> you needed guidance, marriage guidance for that? For that, it's yeah. like... Um, <laughs> that, and if he jingles his keys one more time, I'll stab him through the heart with a bread knife. <laughs> and why do you care so much if there's bread below the bread bin? It's a fucking bread bin. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, it's this idea that I don't think that other people's cap, like, People's capital only benefits them, right? Yeah. But the actual, the own, everyone benefits from the ownership of other people's capital because that produces the goods and services that you produce. Like, or, or just take a middle class person going out to the shops, that is actually putting out people in employment. Like, so there's no sense. It's just like, oh, well, they're just rich people. There's no sense that actually everything bleeds into everything else. And if you tax the middle class, that's money they don't have in their pockets yeah, to go to spend out, elsewhere. spend elsewhere, putting a working class. And, and, and spend it productively. Yes. You know, when government spends it, it spends it wastefully. But when people spend it, uh, you know, when they're spending their own money, people spend it more productively. On stuff that they actually want, which sends the right signals to the market of what to produce. And I know these are utilitarian arguments, but I think sometimes when you're speaking to people who only have these views yeah. you can only talk to them in their own language they don't accept the non-aggression yeah. principle so you have to say look even by your own lights your policies fail and um i just think that the thing is i want to talk a little bit about conservatives because yeah. i feel like it would be so easy to create a conservative platform that would be saleable. It's just like, you could do things like, well, look, uh, public schools cost X amount of money to run um, per student. So we give a um, tax break of 3,000 pounds a year um, for people below a certain income, or we can make it a phase yeah. thing that want to take their kids out of primary, uh, out of public school and put them in private school. That'll help more people get a leg up. You know, you could, um, I, I mentioned, the idea of making it possible for, say, NHS clinics to train their own assistants to take tasks off doctors who work long hours. And you go, oh, we can save the health service so much by letting hospitals and clinics. You know, there's so many ways that you could easily yeah. um, decrease the need for taxation. And yeah, I, but, but let's face it, the, the Conservative Party are basically invested in the crap game. Right. That's where it comes down to. They are corrupt. There's, right. there's no other actual word for it. They are corrupt in as much as they have as much vested interest in the crack game in the as, as, yeah, as, as, as the other parties have. Uh, you know, and they have interest groups whose pocket that they are in and, you know, uh, certain civil servants and people who are all on a gravy train um, and they're, they're not going to be the one to derail it. It's really that simple. They'll talk yeah. a good fight mm. about reducing tax, and they might even do it a little bit. But generally, it's smoke and mirrors. You know, they they reduce maybe income tax, and then they'll put yeah. up taxes on other things to make up for it. Um, yeah, they're, they're just yeah. In, they're, they're invested in the crap game. You know, under Thatcher, as under Reagan, spending went up, and they were meant to be the most conservative politicians. But uh, it's quite interesting because when Reagan became governor, I think it was like Fox, um, this is before he became president, 
um, he was governor called, of, uh, California. Yeah, yeah, as soon as he got electric, uh, um, elected government. Um, I think it was Fox bought some property off him for $2 million, making him rich for, uh, for the first time in his life. And it's like he talked a good game about cuts, of course, but he massively increased the government as governor as he did as president. Yeah. Well, like cutting, he cut some like allowance for handicapped children. He goes, well, you know, we can cut this uh, allowance for handicapped children while at the same time as massively increasing the, go uh, the budget for California. And I just bring it up as a instance because it's, it's so the conservative way, you know, they say one thing and do another. Yeah, and the, the the Conservative Party here in the UK have increased public spending since in, yeah, in yeah. their tenure. In their tenure, how long have they been in for? Like um, quite a long. Ten years, time. anyway. Coming up to ten years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, okay, they, they, thought, they were they were in a coalition. I thought they'd never point. be elected again when Blair came in. Like I thought they were so hated and so unelectable. But then. But then you, it's blurred. You know, you, you can you could you couldn't get a cigarette paper in between the policies of the Conservatives and the policies of the, the new Labour Party. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, basically Labour only won by by stealing the Conservatives' clothes, right? And looking and acting more conservative. And um, and Conservatives and, and have become more that means. Yeah. Conservatives have become more leftist i mean they're um, it's really just one party with two wings yeah it's yeah. the it's the two wings of the the devils the of the devil so uh from moving from private along. from public to private yeah. public right this was something that called um uh, martin green posted on my facebook wall so i thought okay fair enough uh I'll cover it on the show. Popular DNA testing company signs 300 million deal with big pharmaceutical company. So this is big 20, pharma. 23 and me, um, uh, which it's is named people, after yeah. your, which is named after your chromosomes, your 23 sets of chromosomes, doesn't it? Is that what it is? Um, people say. 23 and me, it sounds like some crappy sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> Something you'd see on what's that crap channel which was endless American sitcoms on it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, 23andMe. So if you're if you're a, 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 an aspiring sitcom writer out there in America, yeah. 23andMe. I don't know. It's, it's a working yeah. title. Don't know what the don't know what it's going it's, to be. About. It's definitely a better name for a sitcom than Ancestry.com. <laughs> um, people use these um, to find out about their genes. I definitely know a lot of people on, their alt, on the alt-right are sending off to 23andMe and Ancestry.com to find out how white they are because they think that really matters. And um, yeah, it's like the people wanted to find out about their biological makeup. And now Glasgow Smith Klein is paying 23andMe $300 million to have their data. Um, obviously for medical research and things like that and I know I know they're a private company and they can do what they want uh, I don't mean to sound like Tom Woods here but it's so fucking labored every time every time you want to talk about a private company anything they do um, that you're, you're not allowed apparently they're allowed to do you're not allowed to talk about whether it's a good idea or not right. so um, it's kind of like I think okay people sound People didn't say that they 
they've got they've probably got a privacy policy and this is in order with it but the 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 implication is people didn't know that this is what they're signing up for and it okay, reminds did they not know they probably should have you can say yeah did they, did they take due diligence well i don't know this no. is the thing we're talking about a huge number of people so some of them probably most of them probably didn't they probably assumed look um most companies have a reasonable privacy policy um so i'm just going to assume that they're that it's safe because tons of people are doing it so i'm going to do it as well well if tons of people jumped off a bridge would you <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, 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 maybe there's a good maybe, reason maybe for it. Yeah. Maybe there was tons of people that I maybe really, the was on fire, that I really, really liked. Bridge. Yeah, where were we going with that? I just like the I forgot one of my jokes before, which is the wealthy people leaving the country. It just reminded me of the well, if you don't like it, why don't you just leave? Okay, yeah. fine. Well, Somalia is so, going to be a busy place. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> I just wish there was like more libertarians so that I didn't feel like so alone in this world. Uh, That's what's going to leave me lead me to jump off a bridge. Because so, no one else is doing it. Well, no one else is doing it. That's why I'll do it because I want to be a maverick. Okay, so but, but part, of, part of the problem here is is probably monopolies again, though. I mean, that you have the GlaxoSmithKline and Pfizer and all these other companies. They're huge uh, companies. And it's extremely difficult for small operators to compete with them, so they can get away with behaving badly. Or I guess Twenty Three and Me. How big a company is Twenty Three and Me? Do we know? Um, well, they're probably a lot bigger now because um, they're they're being offered three hundred million dollars. So I'd imagine they're getting big. But I mean, look, someone is saying see the end of the basically day. they're becoming a wing of the pharmaceutical industry. Who are a wing of the government? Uh, yeah, to a large degree. I mean, um, so. I mean, so we were talking about compulsory purchase earlier. Is it possible that government could compulsorily purchase all this information off of these? Yeah, companies? well, that's that's yeah. actually. I'm glad that you brought it up because I forgot to. That's that's what I was. Yeah. It's had five million users, so that's quite a lot. I mean, that's a lot of data. Um, I'm glad you reminded me of that because my concern was more that one day the government's going to go, oh, we, we could really use this. Oh, you have to release the information sure. because, um, you know, in it, it's in the public interest. So we know about, like, the Nazis using census data to find out who is a Jew and oh, yeah. or, or had a Jewish um, ancestry. ancestry. So, I mean, this is, here's what baffles me about 23andMe to, right. to a degree. Okay, unless you're, I suppose, a Jew and you want to immigrate to Israel and you need to prove your Jewishness, um, what the fuck, who, who's interested? Why do you really want to know what your ancestry is? Well, I guess um, I've had my in interest spark. Or is it med for medical? I reasons? always considered myself white until this whole um, until this whole alt right thing exploded and it got me thinking. And I was like, okay. And then I realised, wait a minute, my grandparents on my dad's side are from Ukraine. I know great grandparents, and my grandparents on my mum's side are from Poland. And I never thought of myself as Slavic. So it would be interesting to me as to see how much. Uh, if that is in me, but I'd be remiss to do it now after this story. But um, 
I do know someone. You may even find that you're not even Jewish. Yeah, that would be really funny. <laughs> who, who you couldn't even guess uh, who it was, who was so thrilled because when she got her um, her test results back, she was all white and um, uh, pretty much less than 1% not white. And this, this made her really, really happy. For what? Because see if it had come back and she was like, two percent not white or ten percent not white and what way would that possibly affect her character or uh, say anything at all about her that was different from before she knew it uh collectivism makes me want to smack my head against well, you know the um Kalergi, count Kalergi. have you heard of count Kalergi? no he's one of the eminent minds uh, um behind the, the formation of the of the the idea of the european union uh and a lot of, there's a lot of conspiracy in this as well like so but Kalergi was basically an Austrian half Japanese half Austrian guy uh, and after the first world war and it must have been really difficult for, for him to you know being mixed race um, but he developed uh, a loathing of uh, white people and he developed he basically saw people who were homogenous as basically unbred right. and medically inferior and he thought that mixed race people were uh, genetic, genetically superior right. to that, and uh, he he envisioned uh, the, the European Union as being a, a melting pot to, to eventually get rid of homogeny. Um, how much of that uh, actually translated into European Union policy today is a matter for debate, but it's interesting that that's how the guy felt about things. Um, so yeah. I, I, I guess some of this 23andMe research is, is, is for medical reasons, or, or, yeah, is, it, or yeah. is it purely ancestry for the sake of just... Yes, yeah, some of it is for medical reasons. Now, I, I need to caveat here because according to this article, nearly 80% of users opt into sh opted in to sharing their genetic information right. with third-party entities, but the article argues things get tricky when you don't realise the full breadth of the data you're sharing. The company will ask if you'd like the company to store or discard your saliva sample. Right. Likely storing sal the saliva samples are incentives to further easier future upgrades of or offerings. However, your saliva and your genetic data that 23andMe obtains from your saliva aren't the same things, according to 23andMe's user agreement. If you opt to discard your saliva, your genetic info remains stored for up to 10 years. Considering GlaxoSmithKline signed a four-year deal, it's safe to say that a lot of sharing can be accomplished in a matter of years rather than decades. So this offers how to delete your 23andMe DNA data. Um, according to the consent form, the user gives the right to both 23andMe and whoever they deem as contractors the right to access and analy analyze your stored data using the same or more advanced technologies. If you want to attempt to delete it, you can file a request. Um, with Ancestry.com, you actually have to personally call up their customer service and request that they delete your uh, saliva sample. And the, the article ends with saying privacy, not drug innovation, is the issue here. Okay. Um, so what's my verdict that um, they are a private company they, they can they, behave they, like, the they right still to, might be dicks they still might be dicks i think that the ethical thing to do would have been to send a email 
or a circular to all the users and say, hey, would you like to be a part of advancing medical technology? If so, please opt in to our um, opt in rather than make it and give people the right to tick off and that would preserve their integrity yeah. and the paid people as well because i'm guessing that 23 me are going to make a packet yeah they're going to yeah. make a packet and they can even say you you know you haven't agreed to opt in how about we'll give you ten dollars or we'll, or something x or y off your next service or you know we'll offer you this additional thing because at the end of the day a company will operate on their integrity and this is going to be bad press for them Okay, you've got a couple of other things for us. Okay, uh, Anna Subri, uh, those of you who don't know, conservative con, uh, con definitely with a big con, uh, conservative MP who is um, a Remainer or a Ramoner, as we, we like to call them. Uh, she feels that uh, she, oh, she didn't feel yeah, yeah, she, she doesn't feels. like she doesn't like the result of the Brexit vote. And uh, therefore, we should have it again, and probably again and again until we get the result that she likes. Um, these are always, I mean, like as libertarians, we make no um, bones about it. We're quite, up, we're quite upfront about the fact that we we, we despise democracy. Um, however, these people uh, sing the praises of democracy. Democracy is wonderful. We have to spread democracy without the world, but they hate democracy. Um, and they, they, they hate it when democracy throws up something that they don't like. You know, and I've even heard people like this say things like, well, you know, people who, who don't agree within these parameters shouldn't be allowed to vote. You know, uh, that's how much they believe in democracy. Uh, so, it's, so it's bullshit. But uh, there's an article here in Spite, and I recommend Spite, uh, an, an online magazine for anybody who, they're kind of left libertarian, um, but they're, they're pretty good on free speech. Or um, banana octopus. Yeah, indeed. Um, and the article begins. I felt a new emotion yesterday. Empathy with the Conservative MP and arch remainer Anna Subri in response to protesters on College Green who were chanting Subri is a Nazi as she was being interviewed by the BBC. Subri said, I do object to being called a Nazi. Well, well, do you know I what? Welcome to our world. I know, it's like, but even the posh. Why do Tories need to make such fucking uh, cliches of themselves? I do object to being called a Nazi. Can you just say... What do you want to say? Gonny, no, call me a Nazi. Yeah, anything. Okay. Not to sound like a top. Right. So many leave... Uh, sorry, so she's, she's... And uh, I knew just how she felt. Many leave voters will have because for two and a half years we've been civilly labelled as Nazis. Okay, brand Labelled. Yeah, uh, libelled. Yeah, sorry. Uh, by everyone from Prince Charles to the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, to broadsheet colonists and we've been labelled as racists, xenophobes, you know, the usual barrel of shit, that, of we shit that we get called. Um, but here's the, here's the deal. Uh, here's the... And this is a, a, something that people uh, miss when they read this article. The, 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 the concern that I have is here in the UK, there, there are people being locked up, people being arrested, people being denied their liberty under hate speech laws. If you write something uh, on Twitter or on Facebook or you say something that somebody perceives, okay, that's the key word, perceives to be offensive, um, or racist or hateful, then you can be arrested. 
Now, the, the kind of people who um, who support that kind of legislation are always talking about the punching down thing. You know, we've got to protect people from people being nasty <laughs> to them. You know, there's, 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 there's groups like, you know, uh, There's people who are allowed groups. to criticize yeah. and people you aren't. However, the, the, the police have been asked to actually investigate this incident as a hate incident because somebody shouted, Anna Subri, you're a Nazi. And this is where I think the hate speech laws are going in the UK. Now, when I was a kid growing Sorry, up in Africa... Sorry, I love the poetic justice of it. Yeah. When I was a kid growing up in Africa, it was a crime to um, to make a joke about Karunda, the president. It was a crime to make a joke about uh, the, the UNIP party, which he represented, which was a one-party one state. It was a crime to slag off the government. It was a crime, even even at local level. We had the district governor, known as the Boma. He, it was a, it was a. You could end up in jail for, you know, uh, for slighting him, for not uh, paying proper respect to the flag, for not standing up for the national anthem, all this kind of stuff. And people here would would quite rightly go, well, that's that, you know, that's that's shocking. Well, that, he that's didn't horrible. like it so much. Why didn't yeah, exactly. Well, we did leave. Um, however. We're getting to that stage actually here in the UK, but they don't call it uh, being subversive. They don't get we're locking you up because you're a subversive. They say we're locking you up for for hate speech. So these same laws, I mean, it's it's it's, it's a it's a it's not much of a stretch to go. Okay, Theresa May has feelings, you know, and if you say hateful stuff about her, if you say she's an idiot, if you say she's incompetent, all these things might be true, but they're also hurtful. So if you can start locking people up for hate speech, for slagging off politicians, it puts us in a really precarious position in terms of individual liberty and free speech. And I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating here. I think we really are there already. Mm. Um, so you know, th these laws will be used to protect government from criticism. I think there's going to be a pushback, thankfully, when people actually, when it's someone you know, I mean, that... Jordan Peterson interview on um, GQ where he brought up the Nazi pug salute and the journalist was like well I think he said it was a joke but it wasn't actually a joke I think he just said it was a joke that shows that she has done zero research or watched any Count Dankula to actually find out the story but that's the perception that people have until they're touched personally by it I think it's yeah I mean I, I, I'm concerned, like, I know someone who actually, say, got beat up for being a rocker and went to try and get the definition of hate crime um, expanded um, to encompass being beat up because you've been a rocker, right? See, if the salt's a crime, I don't see why the motive should matter. Yeah. I mean, in Manchester, this is this is true. In Manchester, in England, it, goths are regarded as a, a minority group, and they are afforded protections under hate speech okay. and hate crimes. Um, yeah, what difference? You, you, I don't understand it. If I'm punched in the face, I don't understand how it hurts less because I'm white and male and heterosexual, allegedly. Um, <laughs> uh, but then, then it does, you know, from from black or, or or a woman or anything else. You know, you just shouldn't be going around uh, assaulting people, and you you end up in a situation where the police then have to prioritise 
They start, so, yeah, they start so, victim jockeying. You know, who, 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 who do we respond to first? Now, who gets the first response if there's a, if there's a, you know, a tailback of, of uh, crimes in the pipeline? When I, was a, to us? when I was a teenager, the, the, the hot word in Scotland for a rocker was a mosher. A mosher. Yeah, so if that. I was walking the down the street pit. and someone called and shouted, shout which they did, you know, uh, you fucking mosher or something like that. Is that now a hate speech crime? Could be. It's, it's if you perceive it to be, it's if just you too it to far. Be, so you've got one last story. One to last one. Uh, uh, we're back to Africa. Uh, Gabon, uh, the former French colony of Gabon. I believe it's in West Africa. Uh, could be central, but anyway, um, the political situation in Gabon. Gabon is not the Gabon. Not, not like the Gambia. Gambia. The political situation in Gabon is under control following an attempted military coup. So basically what happened was an attempted coup there in that country and uh, unfortunately, I don't know if it was unfortunate, but it was a certain unfortunate for the, the plotters because uh, they, they didn't succeed and they've now been executed. Oh. And, uh, but here's the thing, this is, this is, this is true, right? The, the president of this, uh, of this country is called um, Ali Bongo, right? <laughs> president Bongo. <laughs> And his father, he succeeded his, his father called Omar Bongo, right? But here's the thing. I mean, if I was, a, if I was up doing stand-up, right, and I was like, oh, some African country over there, the president, whatever, you know, President Bongo, people would go, that's horrific. That's ridiculous. Get off the stage. That's racist. You can't call somebody Bongo. But that's the guy's name. And I'm just it's wondering. Unbelievable. It's uncanny. Well, here's the thing. Does he, do you think he's called Bongo because he likes porn? <laughs> Some, um, bongo. So for some of those of you in America, we, we call we call porno mags here bongo mags. You do. I think I don't know why. I think it's because some people would arrange if they had a collection, they would arrange them open in a semicircle round about them, <laughs> as you would play the bongo. Someone, someone. someone. That's so I can't, I can't yeah. imagine who. And uh, yeah, he's bongo away like you know, so he's bongo. <laughs> and this says that he was he was called the Playboy. The, the this Gabon's president was called the Playboy Prince. So maybe indeed he enjoyed uh, Playboy more than for just the articles. Um, and uh, that's why he's called Bongo. But yeah, yeah and if his first name was Bongo, as well, that. That would be hilarious because bongo, then it would bongo. be literally bongo bongo land. You should call, call us on that. And um, you know, George Aiete, the great African economist, author of Africa and Chaos, great book. If you want to yep. learn about the economics of Africa, is fond of saying uh, that African politicians are ma magicians. You know, they're the only people who go into office. Um, and come out with like five million dollar real estate and yeah well i mean all the rich people uh, unlike in europe and america most of the people who are rich the vast majority of people who are rich in africa are just politic uh, are actually politicians or yeah. ex-state heads of states and things like that that and, um, and if anybody thinks about the order for making a fool of this guy's name uh well it could be hate speech but anyway uh you, Omar Bongo dominated Gabonese politics for almost four decades, crushing dissent. Right, so he's not a nice guy. Um, but it's a country, back to George Ayete, this is a country of 1.8 million people. It ain't a lot, and it's quite a big country. Uh, unemployment rate, youth unemployment rate is about 35%. And despite the fact that it's an oil rich country, its main export is oil, um, something like uh, two thirds of the population are in poverty. Yeah, they go so, in. Um, 
to office to loot the country and we think that our politicians are corrupt and they are but it's yeah. a relative term so i don't know what the solution is from Af for uh, africa for Ali but there used to be a magician actually in the uk called ali bongo uh, if he was alive today he'd probably get done for cultural appropriation um so anyway that's that's enough on that's bongo. another show that's enough bongo for this week anything to say in summation in summation i just have to say for those of you who tuned in uh, for the oh we've got two viewers now uh, um that could be our so man. usually we do it that later could be our man. Yeah. usually we do it later in so the day. thanks for thanks for listening uh and a happy new year to one and all and, and uh, um, i hope you enjoy our new graphic yes our, we've got a new, new clear we've got a new uh, webcam if you want to donate <laughs> Uh, you can PayPal us frequency five two eight at hotmail.co.uk. <gasps> PayPal and, and connected will, to Patreon. Uh, I'm sure we should be all don't, bailing don't out. Don't discourage that. them. Uh, there's not another platform yet. I just want to say, uh, just, yeah, send, so, just send so, us money. Just send us money, please. For <laughs> please please money. Bro. Um, there, uh, yeah, I just want to say, like, you guys who, who listen regularly please help spread the show you don't have to do this episode yeah and, you, and click on our youtube channel as well just to, yeah yeah you, know, you can click on our youtube channel if you want to leave have a to comment watch it and you just leave it running in the background to increase our view because <laughs> you need uh, but but more to the point right grab your favorite episode or your favorite couple of episodes open up facebook messenger and send it to one of your other libertarian or a couple of your other libertarian friends and say i thought this was a really great episode choose the ones that yeah. stand out to you and send them out because you know um we we go through periods where we do huge numbers of views and then sometimes it drops as it yeah. has over the new year and it's like it's very encouraging to us to keep on going if we see the show growing yeah so and yeah. let us know who you would like to see as interview on the show and if you're a techie kind of person out there if you're if you're a wizard with the tech why don't you do a montage of our best bits yeah yeah because we can use that as a facebook advert so i'd like to just say you know help us because it's nice help us. Help us, please because it's nice to listen in and i'm glad that we've got a few hundred people that listen to every show that's really really lovely but um it's yeah it's like um don't keep it to yourself because we can only do as much as we have support to do i'd like to get higher profile guests and things like that and um yeah. there's a there's a lot of con it's a bottleneck it's really hard to grow from being a show of our size to make the leap to the next size of show and we can't do it without your support so if you enjoy it don't keep it to yourself can we just have a quick look and see if there's any comments um, any comments? Any comments? Any any comments at all? No, 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 no. A single You're what a today. lazy bunch you all are. Okay. Anyway, okay. Take care. Thanks. See you next time.